Good morning. Great to be here with you today. Happy Super Bowl Sunday. Happy Jersey Sunday uh, for all of you rocking a little jersey today. And let me even officially say welcome to everybody who's watching online. Uh, it's great to be here with you today. Like I said, it's Jersey Sunday, so I got this old thing out of the closet. You know, I, it's a St. Louis Cardinal jersey. I mean, is there any other way? I just wasn't sure. You know, I see heads nodding. If you don't know, my name is Andy. I am the lead pastor. I am from St. Louis. This isn't just fanfare here. Uh, I am a hardcore Cardinal fan. Uh, so with that, you can heckle all you want. It only makes me feel more powerful. Okay. <laughs> it is great to be here with you uh, today. Um, you guys, one of the things, uh, if you're new here uh, to the church, welcome. Uh, if you're new-ish, you know, maybe it's been a while, maybe it's been a minute. Um, uh, we meet, obviously, this is a historic church. Um, uh, <clears throat> we've been meeting here for a little bit, and, and there are things that we're praying for as a church. We're praying for, for breakthroughs and miracles as well. Um, and so I wanted to invite you to be praying for us. We are aware, obviously, we're thankful for the roof that we have, but we're also excited about where God might want to move us as a church. We are aware that things like uh, getting up and walking in front of everybody for all the things that exist over here in the church, uh, maybe not the most exciting thing for you to have to do. It's not laid out. Nobody built churches 150 years ago the same way they're being built today. Uh, so we're aware of that, we, we see it, and we're thankful, nevertheless, that you're here with us and we get to worship together. Amen? Um, I like to have a little fun um, on Sundays as well when we worship. Um, we're serious about faith here at the church. We're also serious about having fun as a, as a body of people, right? We like a little sarcasm, a little trash talk. Uh, I enjoy that. So just to liven things up a little bit, everybody say Amen. All right, let, let, let's get into that a little bit. Everybody say, mm-hmm. All right, I just, just getting, getting you into things today, okay? Let me start with a question. When's the last time you experienced delay? You have seen Southwest Airlines has been in the news as of late, right? With like the most apocalyptic, you know, plane delays of all time. But have you ever been, have you ever, your plane ever been delayed before? So you're stuck at the airport, right? It's frustrating. Maybe you're at an amusement park and you know what it's like. You, you've waited in line for that ride. And you get up there, you know, and you're, oh, I can't wait. And then they shut it down. And, you know, a maintenance guy's got to come and it's delayed for another 30 minutes, 40 minutes. You don't know. You know, they won't ever tell you either. You're like, how much longer? And you're like, well, we... we we can't really say. We don't really know. And you just, steam's coming out your ears. What do you do? Delay. Or it's the Amazon. I mean, let's be honest. To, you're promised, if you have Prime, that it's supposed to be at your house in 48 hours. So you buy that thing. It's going to be there. It's going to be there. And then you get the email. Your shipment has been delayed. No! Right? Like, it's demonic. Like, the forces of evil are at work in these kinds of moments. We all know the frustration of delay. Traffic, packages, flights. And let's be honest, some delays 
are certainly worse than others. Buying a phone charger or, you know, some little knickknack on Amazon and it's going to be a little bit late, okay, not that big a deal. But when you buy that thing for the, for the birthday, right, and it needs to be there, right, in time, you got to wrap it, you got to take it, you got to go to the party, the shindig, and now it's not going to be there and you're going to show up empty-handed. Or maybe it's your child, even worse, where, the, you know, you've got the birthday party and mom and dad's gift isn't even ready. Boo. Right? No good. It's one thing to, to have your flight delayed and you're, you're just trying to get back home to Atlanta. You know, your work week starts on Monday. It's another when your flight is delayed because you're trying to get to a wedding or a thing that's starting at a certain time. And so delays all have different kind of variables in terms of of how significant they are. And all of us know what it's like, whether you're in elementary school, we'll even go middle school, high school, single, married, divorced. We all know what it's like to feel as though God is delayed. Or you're like, God, where are you? What's going on? I'm praying, I'm asking, I'm believing, I'm doing all the right things. Where are you? Felt that way? You don't even need to raise your hand. I have. I've felt that way. And I love the series that we're in. It's called Miracles. And, and, and as I'm talking and even setting this up, this doesn't feel like, like the, the stage for a miracle type message. And yet it is. God loves to work in some of these places in our heart, in these, these callous spots, the, the untrusting spots, the hurt and bruised spots, he loves to show up and literally change us and transform us and do a miracle. Father, be with us as we get into your word today. Praying that you'd speak to us. I pray that you would move miraculously, Lord. We love you. Amen. What do you do when God delays? So glad that you asked. Turn to the book of John today. This is where our series has been. You can be with me. You can be vocal in this moment. We, like, we, we can be in this together. I realize we're in this historic, pretty, stained glass window church, and so it can kind of feel like the only proper response is to be solemn and hushed. But you don't have to be, okay? All right. I like that. Here we go. I'm going to be reading a lot today, so don't fade on me, okay? Don't fade. You need to hear what the Word, the Bible has to say, okay? Here we are in John chapter 11, verse 6. A man named Lazarus was sick. He's from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now, now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it's for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, 
he stayed where he was two more days. I love the text here. I love all the qualifications that John does. He sets it up. Jesus has gotten word. His, his friend is sick. If you didn't know, Lazarus is a friend of Jesus. He's the, the one that Jesus loves. Jesus loves Lazarus. He gets word that his bro, his friend, is sick and near the brink of death. Now, you would think that Jesus, I, I mean, who else is like Jesus? Who can do what Jesus can do? Nobody can. And it's his friend that's not doing well. You would think that Jesus would be like, oh, 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 oh my gosh. Guys, pack your bags. Let's go. Lazarus is sick. Like, we're going to minister to the family. We're going to be there. You know, uh, Peter, John, you guys get in the kitchen. You start getting, you get the food train going. You know, you're doing this. And everybody's got a job to do to support the family. But instead of getting to Bethany, what does Jesus do? He stays where he is for two more days. This doesn't seem to make any sense. And then I love how John, the writer of this book, puts it. He says, Jesus loved Lazarus. And he makes sure that you know that he loves Martha and he loves Mary too. He loves all these people. Because it's really easy to think that when God doesn't show up, the way you want him to, when you need him to, that maybe he's forgotten you, that he is not as loving as you thought. Is he really as compassionate and caring as everybody talks about in the churchy language and the songs that we sing? Where are you, God? Why do you delay? Where are you? And I want to encourage you with this. Jesus says it in John chapter 11, verse 14. You know, the disciples, are, they don't get what's even happening. They're like, no, Jesus, okay, if he's just sick, then this. Or I don't know if you realize he's really sick, Jesus. And, and so all the conversation's happening, and I'm paraphrasing it, but in verse 14, Jesus tells them plainly, Lazarus is dead. As in like, guys, I know. I know what's going on. Lazarus is dead and for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe. But let's go to him. So then they go. Two days later, two days later, Jesus' friend has not survived. And let's be very honest with each other. Is there anybody who could have done something about that in this situation? The answer is Yes, Jesus could have snapped his fingers. We've seen Jesus heal people, and he didn't even go to the city where the person was sick. I mean, Jesus can do all of it, and yet he says, man, I'm glad I wasn't there so that you would believe. I'm glad I wasn't present. He's not glad that Lazarus is sick. I want you to hear this. There's, there's a, a little bit of a variable here that you got to catch. It's not that Jesus is happy or thankful that Lazarus isn't doing well or that he's sick or, you know, that he's dead. Don't hear that, but he's thankful for what can be produced in the hearts of those around him. 
Now, in your own life, you, you've probably tasted this a little bit. Now, if you're in middle school or high school, maybe, maybe not quite yet. You might have. But you, you ever had something really hard, and you finally come out on the other side of it. And you say to yourself, I would never wish this upon anybody. <sighs> and yet I'm also so thankful for what it's done inside of me. Do you, know, do you know what I'm saying here? You don't want to go through it again. You don't want to be where you were. But yet that experience also produced something in you that you could never have just produced on your own. You couldn't have reproduced it. No earthly person could have given it to you. Like the only way you were going to get that was by clinging to Jesus in the midst of an impossibly difficult time. And when you do that, it's amazing what is produced in you. And I believe that God can say in those kinds of moments that I'm glad that I wasn't there when, so that my glory could be revealed. Like that, that amazing diamond in your heart and in your soul that you could have never created on your own and in your own strength. Man, look what God has done. That is miraculous. Just to, to give you an example, like, well, th think of really successful people. Right? I don't know if you know, Sha uh, uh, if you know what Shaquille O'Neal, one of his more famous quotes, because he is a scholar and a gentleman, right, is, is as it pertains to his kids, you're, we're talking about like the upper, 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 upper crust of people with wealth would, you know, Shaquille O'Neal. But I love what he has said. He, he says to his kids, and I quote, in order to get my cheese, you have to present me with two degrees. <laughs> so his kids don't have access to all of the O'Neill wealth until they have two degrees. And the reason, if you, if you read his philosophy on this, is that the amount of people who are wildly successful and then try to hand that success to their children it oftentimes doesn't go very well. It's an amazing trend. And one of the reasons is that, that when you have never sat in the living room or in the kitchen at the folding table with no money, and you've been eating beans, you know, out of a cup, and that's your dinner. Yeah, done that with Amy before, where it's like, this is what we got tonight. And you've just had to gut it out and you've had to pray, and you've had to cling and hold on, and you weren't sure how this was all going to work out. And the God that you know in your mind is the God that's powerful and miraculous, and yet it sure feels like this God is delayed. Where are you? I don't know. I'm waiting for you, God. But in the meantime, I'll take another bite of black beans here and fill my tummy. Right? There's something about hardship and clinging to God in the midst of it that does something inside of you. And you cannot just reproduce it in your own strength. Not all hardship is actually bad. And that's hard to say at times. But I want you to hear this, that just because you may not see it, 
doesn't mean that God isn't working. Just because you may not feel it doesn't mean God isn't working. As I drop, what, double or triple negatives right there on the big idea? Just because you don't see it, just because you don't feel it, just because you can't assess it, just because dot, 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 you don't discern in your human abilities what God is up to, it doesn't mean that he isn't working. And I want to be careful because I have, I personally have been hurt by these cheesy little platitudes where in the midst of hardship, somebody says, well, God always has a purpose. You know, God always has a way. He's at work. And in one breath, it's like, stop saying that. Just stop it. That's not helpful when someone's going through a difficult time. And I'm asking you, actually, as your pastor, please don't say that to people when they're going through it, right in the thick of it. But when you get on the other side of it, it actually does ring more true than not. Is God at work even in the midst of your pain? Yeah. Is he at work in the midst of when it feels like he is delaying? The answer is yes, and everyone said, amen. God is at work. God is at work. John chapter 11, verse 17. Jesus shows up. He gets there. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. This isn't like you're kind of you're dead, like you're dead dead. You are dead as a doornail dead, right? You've been in the tomb for four days. And this is significant because in, in Jewish custom at this time, right, you still had a little bit of time before your, your soul and spirit were separated from your body. Guess how long that was? Four days. So the fact that Jesus is rolling up four days into the midst of Lazarus being dead, he isn't just showing up in miraculous power here. He's showing to all of his Jewish audience that he has the authority over everything. Nothing is beyond the power of Jesus. Now, Bethany was less than two miles from Jerusalem. I mean, I've got to say this again. Jesus is only two miles away. He's only two miles away, and he waits two days. Many Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them in the loss of their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But I know that even now, God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your, your brother will rise again. Martha answered, I know he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Just pause for a second. Martha knows all the right things to say. These are your classic churchy responses. She's a good God-fearing Jew. She knows the right things to say. She's not being sarcastic. She's not being insulting. She just knows. This is like God has a purpose. He really does, right? No, Jesus is, is, is getting after. Do you believe that I'm able to do this? And he's cutting through the noise here. I know that even now God will give you whatever you ask. Uh, sorry, um, verse 25. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live. Even though they died, whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? 
if you want to know the theme of the book of John, it's that you and I would believe that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Savior. This word believe is the word that is weaved through the entire book of John. And this is why John puts the miracles that he does and the stories and narratives and discourses that he does so that when you and I would read it, we would be brought to a fresh sense of faith and do what? Believe in Jesus. That you believe in him. You may not see it, but the God that you serve or the God that you have put your faith in is at work. Why? So you might believe. This isn't like, oh, you believe that he exists. So I'm 42, and I'm going to tell you, I know, right? I heard the whistle. That was insulting, and it was offensive. Okay? I'm just going to go ahead and say that. That was hurtful, okay? So, yeah. But at 42, right? Some of you have me beat. Some of you do not, right? But that's where I'm at, right? 42. Well, you know, there are things that happen to you at, at 42 that didn't happen at 32, right? In the middle of the night, I got to get up now. I go to the bathroom sometimes, right? It's like, why? why? Lord, come on. Why do you delay, right? I, I don't need this in my life, right? Well, it's pitch black, and we've got the blackout curtains. You know, and I'll get up every once in a while, and I go to the restroom, and then I, you know, I come back, and I don't want to turn on the lights, right? Because when you turn on the lights, well, then you're going to start getting awake, right? And so you kind of memorize where everything is, and, and I can, you know, I can navigate pretty well in the darkness of my bathroom, my, my bedroom, etc. I can get where I need to go, Okay. So I got where I needed to go. And I'm making my way back to the bed. And my, the, 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 bed, the bathroom door was some, I don't know how it happened, but it just, it was at the perfect angle. <laughs> Open just like this, right? And I'm just, you know, do, 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 right? And I walk straight into the door, face first. It wasn't like the flat side of the door. It was like the edge of the door. Right? Ooh. Ooh, right? And you know how you're just mad now. And now your adrenaline's going. You can't even go back to sleep if you wanted to. Right? You're just mad. You're mad at the devil. Mad at your wife. Who did this? You did this to me. Right? Somebody needs to pay for this. Right? And as I, as I was, you know, thinking about life, right, there are so many times where the furniture feels like it gets rearranged and you have it down. You know exactly what to say. You know how to proceed. You know what to do. You've done this a million times. You're here and then all of a sudden the door is, is left open in such a way or the furniture is left out and moved in such a way that keeps you on your toes. And what is it that it's doing? Well, in the, in the natural, right, you have to like you, you have to be careful, and you've got to walk a certain way, and you, you know, you've got your hands out. Spiritually speaking, though, there are times when God rearranges the furniture in your life. Purposefully, he just moves things around, and you have to do what? Trust him. When John says that, you, that all of these things are being done, even the delay of God in your life. It's so that you might believe this isn't just mental assent. This is that you would trust him. 
that you would hold on to him because the propensity is for us to just get really good at living this life. So much so that we don't even need him. You aren't desperate for him. You're not hungry for him. What do you need? Nothing. Life's good. And God will rearrange the furniture. Ooh, and it's hard. It's difficult. God, where are you? Why do you delay? Now, for time's sake, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take you there, okay? This is a little bit, there's a little bit of teaching I'm going to do right here that you might have missed. And I've debated, I have a little section in my notes. Do I or do I not? It's a question mark. <laughs> Guess what? I do. Okay? <laughs> so John chapter 10. You want to see what Jesus is doing here, a little bit more behind the scenes. I think this is really neat. One of the things that the gospel writers do, especially if they're writing to a Jewish audience, is that they, they, they include things and they, they bring to life what Jesus is actually doing through the accounts of his interaction. Here's what I mean. In John 10, 22, Jesus is in Jerusalem. This is just prior to Lazarus dying. He hasn't left yet, so now we're rewinding the clock, okay? Back to the future. Verse 22, then came the festival of dedication at Jerusalem. This is why Jesus is there. It was winter, and Jesus was in the temple courts walking in Solomon's colonnade. The Jews who were there gathered around him saying, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. These people want to know. It's a little cat and mouse game. Jesus is in the temple. In just a little bit of time, Jesus will be getting the news about Lazarus. And prior to this, and we don't exactly know all of the timeline, Jesus has just been teaching. And what does he say? He says, I am the light of the world. He's teaching about light. He's teaching about hope. He's teaching about who you and I are. And he's doing this right here in chapter 10 at the feast of, or excuse me, the festival of dedication. You read that, and I read that, and probably have no frame of reference for what this is. What's the festival of dedication? It's Hanukkah. If you have friends that celebrate Hanukkah, if you have Jewish friends that celebrate Hanukkah, the festival of dedication is another name for Hanukkah. Jesus is celebrating Hanukkah in the temple. And oftentimes as Western Christians, we don't know any of these things. We don't get it. We don't even know what this is. So let me tell you a little bit about Hanukkah in this moment. And even if you do celebrate Hanukkah, many Western celebrators of Hanukkah don't even know what they're celebrating through the Bible and through the scriptures. But there's this period of time after the last book of the Old Testament and the prophet John the Baptist where it has felt like where God has simply gone silent. In other words, the prophets are no longer speaking. The Spirit no longer feels poured out in the temple. 
The miracles of old with David and, and the prophets and Moses. When is the last time anyone has seen or heard of God moving in such a way? God, where are you? We're crying out to you. We want to see you, feel you, experience you, and yet it feels like you're not there. God, why do you delay? And then the Jewish people come under an oppressive rule. The Greeks in this moment, the, the last vestiges of Alexander the Great. And Jews are being slaughtered and a revolt takes place. A revolt for the Jewish people to take back their temple and to experience God for who He is and to rededicate their lives to God. And so Hanukkah, this moment, the Maccabean revolt that takes place, you can look it up in all the history books. It's not in your Bible, but it's in all the history texts. Where the people rise up, they fight off their oppressor, their oppressor in the name of God, and they rejoice and they rededicate the temple to God and their lives to Him. And then you have the menorah, right? And the candles that are lit. And they symbolize the oil of the temple miraculously lasting eight days when it was only supposed to last one. It's a little, you don't need all the details for it. Understand. We could spend all day talking about it. But understand that Hanukkah at its heart and soul is about the rededication of heart, mind, and soul to the worship of God and the living for Him. That's what it's about, especially in the midst of when it has felt like God is delayed. So here's the scripture that traditionally is read. We're going to read a portion of it. And I want you to read it with me out loud like you would in a Jewish assembly, like in a synagogue back in the day, thousands of years ago. Stand to your feet. We're going to read what they would have read. This is what Jesus would have read at the festival of dedication with all of the other people around him. We're going to do our best to read this together. We're going to try. You guys ready? This is Psalm 30, and I want you to read this in light of what is getting ready to happen. This is what Jesus, Jesus is amazing, okay? Psalm 30, I will exalt you, Lord, for you lifted me out of the depths and did not let my enemies gloat over me. Lord, my God, I called to you for help and you healed me. You, Lord, brought me up from the realm of the dead. You spared me from going down to the pit. Sing the praises of the Lord, you, his faithful people. Praise his holy name, for his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor lasts a lifetime. Weeping may stay for the night, but rejoicing comes in the morning. You can have a seat. Jesus celebrates Hanukkah, the festival of dedication in which the people stand and either sing or recite Psalm 30 as a rededication of the temple and their lives back to him. 
And as they are reading this, what is it that they are declaring? That God, you did not abandon us to Sheol, to the pit, to the grave. My sorrow may last for a moment. In other words, I may not see you in all the things that you are doing, but I believe that joy comes in the morning. My joy is coming. And in Hanukkah in this moment, I celebrate you. This is what Jesus has just celebrated. This is the passage that they have just read. And then sometime later, Jesus it gets news that Lazarus has, has died. And what is it that Mary and Martha say? God, if you'd been here, this wouldn't have happened. Why do you delay? But even now I know, Lord, that you have the power and the strength to turn my sorrow into joy. And so what is it that Jesus is doing? He's giving them once again a living picture of how he fulfills everything in the Old Testament. He fulfills the law. He fulfills the spirit. He fulfills the prophets. He fulfills it all. He fulfills Hanukkah, the very one that they look to and have been looking forward to is Jesus. Verse 38, once more, deeply moved, Jesus came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor. He's been there four days. And Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God. So they took away the stone. I can't imagine how people are feeling in this moment. I know what it's like when I've given up on God being able to move in a situation. I may not say it out of my mouth, but in my Heart of hearts, that's where, I, that's where I'm at. Jesus says to roll away that stone. And he looked up and he said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this for the benefit of the people standing here that they may believe that you sent me. When Jesus has said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. Many of the Jews who had come to visit Mary and had seen what Jesus did, believed and they believed in him. What feels like God's de delay many times is a setup for his glory to really be put on display. And I don't say this as a little Christian-y platitude to you. It may feel like it, but God's delay many times is God's display. It is the moment where you're wondering where he is is 
that he shows up in power and in strength and in might. And is it when you thought he was going to? No, it wasn't. And yet you can honestly say that on the other side of it, God, think, I don't want to have to go through that again. But thank you for being who you are. Thank you for the miracle of your son, Jesus. Even if I didn't see what I was hoping to see in this lifetime, I thank you for what you've done through Jesus on the cross, the one who's victorious over life, the one who's victorious over death. God, I thank you that this is not the end. This isn't all she wrote. There's more to the story. And what has felt like delay is actually an opportunity for you to display your glory. 